You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani at Bilal V87 with your Raw review. Uh, and I really, at some point, I need to talk about how Becky Lynch was only fined $10,000, but we'll get to that later. Raw opened with Seth Rollins, uh, who was quickly cut off by the Firefly Funhouse. And I hate to start these podcasts with the way Raw starts, because normally it's not good, but this would sort of pertain to the narrative throughout the night. And as much as we're used to Seth being the face and cutting these big promos, it was refreshing to get Wyatt right on the screen as his Pee Wee Herman type character uh, talking about dealing with Seth as opposed to more of the aftermath of Rollins and Strowman losing the tag titles and him being Strowman, blah, 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 blah. And there was a peculiar bit at the end of this where the graphics for the upcoming matches on the night, including the King of the Ring final, which we'll get to, were upside down. And Renee Young sort of alluded to, was, was this a mistake? And we'd get the answer to that later in the night. But this was a good touch, it turned out. We got multiple quick hits of the Firefly Funhouse. One where Wyatt, um, in a way I could only describe as the way I would hang things up, quite carelessly, was hanging up photos of his quote-unquote friends, and his wall of friendship was basically everyone who Wyatt or the Fiend had attacked. The next time we saw another one of these vignettes later in the show, he was, sure enough, hanging up Seth Rollins' photo, which could be a pretty good indicator of what's to come. We had Braun Strowman backstage as well. He was angry about what had happened to you know with him and Seth, and of course not winning the Universal Title, and didn't really have much time for an interview. We had Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, the new Raw Tag Team Champions, who probably need a team name. They were joined by the Revival, who won the SmackDown Championships, um, and, and this was sort of a, a co-celebration between the two champions, which was. Actually, a really good idea between two heel teams. Uh, but Braun Strowman weighed out and uh, basically did his Optimus Prime impersonation and took on everyone, except unlike Optimus Prime, he was actually successful. So can Braun Strowman just play Optimus Prime in the next Transformers movie? Because he took them all on and he kicked their ass, and that was quite good. And it makes me wonder if we're eventually going to get Braun and Nicholas taking another run of the tag titles... That seems like the most logical step to me, oddly enough. The main event was actually Seth Rollins versus Robert Roode. And of course, Ziggler was ringside, and eventually this broke down with Ziggler attacking Rollins. Now, I'm really not sure why the OC, including AJ Styles, had to come down and beat down Rollins. They they already have beef with Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders. Not to mention the OC. I'm sure they would love a tag title shot at Ziggler and rude so that's weird what made it weirder is what this built to was Kane the mayor of Knoxville Demon Kane coming out (coughs) and instead of of him having to take out two people he took out five by himself but this was paid off quite well because as Kane went to set off his pyro the fiend came out took out Kane and then quite literally we ended Raw with the feed setting his sights on Seth Rollins, basically putting his face up against his, practically. And then we got the Firefly Funhouse graphic and music, a bit more of that music than I think we've heard before. 
and it eventually transitioned into different filters and eventually was also upside down at different points. Sort of connecting how we started raw to how we ended raw. And that, that was very, very impressive. So I was quite happy with this. Now, let, let's get into Becky Lynch. Uh, but before we get... Well, let me, let me talk about Becky Lynch. So last night... <coughs> at Clash of Champions, we had Becky Lynch defending her Raw women's title against Sasha Banks because she hit a referee with a chair. She was fined $10,000 for this. It took me all of six seconds to find out that NBA head coach Jason Kidd was once fined $50,000 for accidentally, in quotes, spilling a Coke can on the bench. Or a glass of Coke, to be fair. Could have been Pepsi. I I've heard Coke. The cola, not, not cocaine. So here's the thing. Becky Lynch is on the cover of WWE's video game. She is the biggest star in the company. That fine should be way more. 10K is nothing. But anyways... The storyline was Alexa and Nikki Cross. They were backstage. They were happy about their win. They were taking on Sasha and Bailey. The idea being if Sasha and Bailey win in this non-title match, they'd probably get a tag title match. And despite what Sasha said about not caring about the tag team titles, obviously she would take any gold. So we had the match. Bailey actually aggravated an injury uh, that Alexa had from jumping off the apron and doing a somersault is the only way I could describe it. So it became a two-on-one against Nikki, and this was fantastic with Nikki looking like she could take, you know, another Optimus Prime, take everybody on, but eventually the numbers game caught up to her. And as Bailey and Sasha were going to inflict more damage on Cross, Becky Lynch came out with a chair, and of course Sasha already had a chair, as did Bailey. So this essentially became a version of Star Wars with chairs, and, you know, more women in lead roles. And it did look good for Becky. Charlotte showed up. Uh, she took out Bailey as Bailey met her at the ramp. And then eventually Becky was victorious. We later heard from Sasha backstage. She was fairly upset and challenged uh, Becky to a title match at Hell in a Cell. We quickly, and I mean quickly, within one promo, returned to Becky for immediate response, which mentioned the fine, which again should have been more. But she upped the ante and said she wanted to defend her title, not just at Hell in the Cell, but in Hell in the Cell, which was pretty clever and fairly well delivered. So that's good. We've got our first Hell in the Cell match. Excellent. We also had... Uh, oh, before I move on. I sort of would like to see Sasha and Bailey go for the tag team titles, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Alright, the King of the Ring final was next. Chad Gable took on Baron Corbin. This was uh, several segments and quite good. I, I really did believe Gable could win this in a few points. The narrative was well set up. But sure enough, Baron Corbin got the win and he'll be coordinated on SmackDown. Uh, what's new? We also got a six-man tag as the OC took on Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders. And... I don't get why the Viking Raiders didn't just help Cedric last night when he was being attacked three-on-one, why they needed a match schedule to get involved, or why these guys didn't show up at the end of the night. And again, Styles pinned Cedric, but I guess this time he was able to fight back, so that was the only real difference here. Otherwise, two nights in a row, AJ pinned Cedric. Rey Mysterio also continued to keep his uh, career alive by beating Cesaro. What was weird about this 
Cesaro came out and faced Ray, but he wasn't dressed for it. That was very unusual, but whatever. Uh, we also had a series of vignettes that took place earlier in the night where Kane, uh, corporate Kane, as the mayor of Knoxville, wanted to give R-Truth a tour of his city, but the first segment was at a woman's basketball hall of fame. They later went to a football stadium. For some reason, Carmella didn't come for this part. It turned out a quote-unquote cop that Kane had hired was actually a ref. Kane won the 24-7 title, only for R-Truth to be on top of his limousine when Kane arrived to the arena. How the person who opened Kane's limo door did not notice this is beyond me. R-Truth won the title back. Kane was about to choke uh, R-Truth or choke slam him, but Truth sort of had actually a very beautiful speech about the parallels of being a mayor 24-7 or 48-14 as he was putting it and be the 24-7 champion, and Kane let him go, and that was actually very nice. The Street Profits also hosted a gender reveal party for Maria, which explained why nobody else was chasing the 24-7 title, because all those people were here. And the twist here was Maria revealed not just that it was a boy, but that Ricochet was the father. Now, it might be a girl, I don't care. But Ricochet was apparently the father, uh, is what, what we heard. So, uh, Mike Canales was basically pushed into, just from the anger this uh, turned out to be a lie, to face Ricochet. Of course, Ricochet won. He didn't even do his regular finisher. He did something called the recoil, which is codebreaker, I guess. <coughs> and he won. Now, you know, especially in light of uh, Ricochet's other half, uh, Casey Catanzaro leaving WWE, this seemed a little insensitive to put him in this spot. Not that I'm sure Casey was cool with it. Um, the Street Profits, I also want to point out, had a very good joke about a baby on a pole match. And then uh, Maria on the pole being the reason this happened. And Corey Graves had a great line about another Corbin was king. He could get a sword and settle this. But after the match, Maria came out, uh, ripped apart Canellis, and made it quite clear um, that the actual father was not Ricochet. It was even more ridiculous. It was Rusev. So Rusev came out, of course without Lana. And at this point, Mike uh, didn't even want to fight Rusev. But Rusev just had a match with him anyways. Because that's apparently how things go. Rusev did look great. Um, but man oh man, if you told me that Alexander Rusev was coming back, or just Rusev for short, and this is how you wanted to integrate him? Oh man, because you are in a corner. You, you can't like, if you use Lana, it's going to be... I don't even know how she would fit into this. And let's just hope Maria and Rusev and Canellis are all drafted on three different shows. That's what I hope happens. <clears throat> we also had the AOP. Uh, they got a produced promo where they didn't speak English. But it was very good. And them as just this evil foreign team... That feels the entire tag division is soft. There's definitely something there. It's it's very basic. But these guys, they fit that so well. And obviously with the Usos having their issues with one of them having a DUI. And the state of the tag division. There's definitely some room. Because you would have to think, uh, especially given what we talked about with Rude earlier. At some point, Bobby Rude will be a single star. 
uh, Ziggler is probably going to eventually be let go to do comedy. We can see that Braun and Seth are not a long-term tag team. So there's some room for these guys, and I was very impressed with this. This is quite uh, quite good. I actually rewinded it a couple of times to re-absorb re parts of it, which is a good sign. Finally, uh, Lacey Evans had another match. And this time it was against Dana Brooke, who is the MVP of main event. I do want to point that out. And for all of the matches she's had against Sarah Logan, with Sarah Logan, she got crushed here. And Lacey, uh, at the end of the day, pulled a sharpshooter as some sort of insult to Natalia. And she, you know, for, for Lacey Evans to not just bury Dana Brooke, but to bury her with Natalia's finisher, uh, put the whole women's division in a bad place. So not very impressive. But that's what I thought of Raw. Uh, overall, very good. A couple of things uh, towards the end there that could have used some work. Rusev uh, and, and Lacey being the main things. But pretty good. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow for SmackDown. And I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do something for NXT. But I'll think about it. Until then, I've been Blavacani at v 87 You can follow me on Twitter. And uh, good night. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.